0: Hello, I'm Henry Cairns Terry, and it's an honour to be speaking to you here this morning. The title of this talk is Looking After Our City, a further message in the series uh, on the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. That parable is all about being good stewards of what God has entrusted to us. Looking after our city is something that has been close to my heart for quite a long time. In 2017, we were in Harrogate at a conference in which Chris Vallotton was talking about the characteristics of a great city and what Bethel Church were doing to serve their city of Reading, California. After his talk, Graham and I looked at each other and said, We have got to bring this back to Worcester. The season of praying into each of the seven mountains of influence grew out of that desire. It was never intended to be an end in itself but a stimulus to us as a body of believers to believe that we carry God's power to transform our city. Why do we need to worry about what goes on in our city? The answer to this question depends on your view of what the church is all about. If you come from a particular Christian background You will probably believe that as we approach the end times, the church is going to get brighter and the world around us worse and worse. When it has got about as bad as it possibly can be, the rapture is going to come and rescue us, a kind of, I'm a believer, get me out of here. So church becomes a kind of transit camp for Christians until the mothership appears to get us out rather like the helicopters uh, lifting the last of the Americans off the embassy roof in Phnom Penh as the Khmer Rouge closed in. That seems pretty unsatisfactory to me. Didn't Jesus say, go and make disciples of all nations? Traditionally, we've expected people to come to us. If we're a city set on a hill, a lighthouse if you like, then surely people will come to us. Well. A lighthouse is really there to warn you off. There are rocks here and if you get too close, you're going to do a lot more than just scratch your bottom. I remember years ago down in Somerset, our church decided that we were going to have a mission in a neighbouring town. So we all went there one evening and posted flyers about the place, advertising uh, the meeting on the following Saturday night. We all turned up on the night with high hopes and opened the doors to welcome the crowds who were going to come in. Nobody turned up, not one single solitary soul. So we went ahead and had a nice meeting, evangelistic sermon and all, cleared up and went home. It was all very disappointing. The really strange thing was that absolutely nobody talked about it afterwards. The come-to-church model doesn't seem to work anymore. In the early church, the disciples went from house to house. Ed Silvoso, in his book Ecclesia, sets out a different strategy for discipling nations. He calls it prayer evangelism. When Jesus sent out the 70 in Luke 10, he said to them, Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the labourer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. So let's unpack this a bit. First you greet them. Then you fellowship with them and eat with them. Then you meet their felt needs. Only when you've done all that do you proclaim the kingdom. What was the fruit? The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. What did Jesus say next? I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So this bit is really important. The first part is to pray. What Benny Johnson in her book The Happy Intercessor calls taking the airwaves and Donna De Silva describes as shifting atmospheres. I know what it's like to go out without first shifting the atmosphere. When Billy Graham came over years ago for Mission England we were all encouraged to go out along our streets and invite our neighbours to his meeting in Bristol City football ground. We dutifully went to our neighbour Alan on one side. He listened politely, but said he wouldn't be coming. Graham and Sue on the other side invited us in and heard us out. They were very kind, but could sense our embarrassment. It was a great meeting in Ashton Gate, and it was a real privilege to hear Dr Graham in the flesh. But nobody from our street came. My thought at the time was, well, if that's evangelism, I don't want anything to do with it. Lockdown and its aftermath has robbed us of many things. We can't meet together on a Sunday and we can't gather in any number the way we used to. But we mustn't turn inwards and focus on our needs alone. The church meeting in one place, like a big bonfire, has been replaced by households setting small fires. All over the city. When Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church, he used the word ecclesia, a Greek word with no real equivalent in Hebrew. The Roman word for the same thing is conventus. Where two or three Romans met, they represented Rome and the Roman state would back whatever they did. Does that sound familiar? Jesus put it like this in Matthew 18, 20, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. To put it another way, when two or three Christians meet, then heaven will back everything they say or do. With that understanding, as Ed Silvoso says, every house can become, no, already is, an ecclesia, bringing the authority of heaven into every neighbourhood. That's exciting. Remember the story I told of the mouse and the elephant crossing the bridge? The mouse said, well, we certainly shook that bridge. On his own the mouse could do nothing, but partnered with the elephant he could do anything. We are not alone. We are children of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If we take hold of the idea that each household is an ecclesia, we can change the atmosphere of our city. This is becoming part of our experience for Anita and me. We have fallen into a rhythm of life that includes more prayer than it ever did before. Every day we pray in a focused way into the people and situations that God puts on our hearts, not just in Worcester but in other places as well. In Matthew 7, Jesus tells us to ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking. Dawna describes it as putting weapons into the heavens for the angels to go to war with. We can see from Daniel chapter 10 that angels are assigned to our prayers the moment we start praying. I see our prayers as being like those great Pacific rollers that the surfers ride in on. We have to keep the waves coming in so the surfers can get to shore. How long will it take? I don't know. In Daniel 10, it took 21 days for his angel to get through because there was warfare in the heavenlies. We have to keep going till the answer gets through. And we are seeing answers to prayer in our family and elsewhere. It's not only us. There are many testimonies about. If you have been following the Glorious Company thread on WhatsApp, you will have seen some of them. There is a wonderful testimony of a neighbour being healed after Rodney and Sonia prayed for them. So let's look after our city well by getting to work to put this to work. Thank you.